0: Amen. Well, we're going to jump into John chapter eight. So we're kind of challenging you to, to be in your word, as you uh, in the word every week, and looking at the Bible. So we do have some Bibles on the back table here. There's some I think outside on the Welcome Center, or you can use your phone. Uh, BibleGateway.com is a good one, or the Bible app is a good one as well. I'm going to be working through the Contemporary English Bible (CEB) version uh, as well. Uh, this morning. If you got in here and you didn't get sermon notes, they look like this. Uh, If you want to throw up your hand, um, my daughter here would be glad to run to you and get some. Oh, look, here we have some takers. All right, great. Hey, I want to remind you, we have our preaching calendar that's out here, our teaching calendar. We're halfway through this thing. Those are on the uh, the table at the welcome center, the next step table, if you want to track along with, with those as well. So, grab that. John chapter 8. We're going to jump into this. This is a, our, really our second part of looking at this chapter. And last week, really the message that was coming out of that section of the scripture was believe. We find at the end, people believed on Jesus because of what he was saying. And he was speaking about being one with the Father and coming and speaking for the Father. And many believed in that This week we're going to see he's actually taking it to another level. The focus of this is that he's now saying, now be faithful to what you believe as well. In other words, Jesus is saying, hey, don't let this just be like a belief system. Let this be something you are faithful to in your life, how you live this out. And so we get this in the first verse we're going to look at. It's John chapter eight. We're going to start in verse thirty-one. Now there was almost twenty, or almost thirty verses that we're walking through today, and you're going to see as I've told you a couple of weeks walking through the book of John that we'll have to move past some things, or we'll have a four-hour sermon. So that's for you on your own. In fact, somebody came up to me this week and they said, "Hey, you know, it was really amazing." In, in in John chapter 8 because I've been reading that every day like you said and I'm like wait what what I don't even want to hear what you found I want you actually are reading that every day like I asked you to wow so and then they did tell me uh, and it was pretty cool so uh, there'll be a lot for you to jump into on your own in your devotion time this week this is the verse that everything we're going to talk about today hinges on top of it's verse 31 Jesus said to the Jews who believed in him, this was, think about when it says the Jews as the people, which is often said. It's just John likes to use the phrase the Jews. You might see the people in some of the other gospels. So this isn't necessarily the religious leaders, though they're hanging around. And this probably isn't his closest disciple, disciples, though they're hanging around too. Jesus is having this conversation with people. Now, mixed in that people would have been people who believed. They believed to some degree. But Jesus is speaking a deeper message into them. And this is what he says. You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teaching. Then you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. This is what this passage hinges on top of. This verse and even stronger in this verse, you'll see you are my disciples if you what? Remain faithful to my teaching. That is the message Jesus is getting out and speaking here. The defining characteristic of a disciple for Jesus, remain in my teaching. Remain and follow my teaching. That's what he's getting at here. In fact, it looks like this. I put it in your notes. How do we prove that we are his disciples? How does one prove that you are Jesus' disciples. Well, Jesus just tells us we remain faithful to his teaching. We don't drift to another teaching or another way. We remain faithful to Jesus' teaching. That is the proof that we are disciples. Now, do you blow it sometimes? Probably. Do I blow it sometimes? Yes. (laughs) So, no probably about it. All right? We do. But let's not excuse ourselves that Our understanding is to be a disciple. We're going to remain faithful. We're not going to go camp out in another way and decide this is the way I'll follow. That's what Jesus is getting at. So it would prompt the next question. What are his teachings? What are they? Well, we need to know what he's talking about here from the book of John, because John is still writing here, John is still relaying this story, right? And up till now, what are the things that Jesus has been teaching here? Well, there's multiple things. We could go all the way back to the beginning. I mean, he is the light. He is the way. He came from the Father. He doesn't speak on his own. He speaks what the Father is telling him to speak as well. So they're embedded together. Do what the Father does. You must be born again. Do you remember that passage that we work through as well? I'm the living water. I'm a flowing water. Better water than you're going to find pulling water up from a well is what he's saying. I am the way. That's Jesus' teaching up till now. And so he says, look, if you want to be my disciples, then you remain faithful to this teaching that I'm the way, that this is what, this is the way you have connection with God. But then he says there, and you'll know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, we love this part, right? Because it sounds, it sounds so American, right? American and independence, and, you know, that's right. We're free, land of the free, home of the brave, all that stuff, right? Jesus is not talking about that in the slightest here, right? What Jesus is saying is, if you remain faithful to my teachings, you will understand the truth of my teachings, You're going to understand how true this really is. And guess what? You will find freedom in that truth. Freedom in the truth that I am the way. In all my teachings. That's what he's talking about. That the truth is that I claim he's the way. I claim he's from the Father. That I need to be born again. That he's the living water. I claim that and I live this out. And there's something I understand about truth when I live it out that I don't understand when I just have it as a belief system. Maybe here's five points I believe. When I live it out, and then what does that offer? Freedom. It offers freedom. There's freedom from like this longing and striving to please a God I may not understand because now I understand who he is, or this longing to please, and the striving to please others, or like the Pharisees, having this misunderstanding, misinterpretation of who God is. We have freedom from that. For them, even freedom from the oppression of Rome that they're living in and they're going to continue to live in. But there's some freedom they get to experience right in the middle of all that. You ever experienced that in your hardships? That there is still a freedom in Christ, even though you're walking through difficulty. That is what he has to offer. That is where, how everything in this passage hinges on this verse. Everything else we'll look at is this. Remain faithful to my teaching. In fact, it's okay for you if the Holy Spirit has already captured you with that phrase. You know, if you like mentally check out and you just meditate on that phrase the rest of this teaching time. Because that's where the Holy Spirit's leading you. That's how powerful this verse is as John is relaying what Jesus says. I was reminiscent of chapter 5 when we studied about a man paralyzed where Jesus came to him, and you know he ends up healing this man, but there was an important question he asked. He turns to the man and says, do you, do you remember this? Do you want to be well? And I told you, don't dismiss that question too quick. Do you want to be well? I think sometimes as Christians, there's many of us who want to believe and have a belief system. And there would be a question, do you want to know truth? Do you want that truth of Jesus to set you free? Well, Jesus says it is in remaining faithful to my teachings and living this out. Now, I don't know in, in you if there's like a knee jerk of a, yeah, but. Do you ever do that in your life? You know, where you kind of believe something or you say yes to something, but the but is coming. And usually the but immediately refutes that you actually believe in that thing, uh, but it just feels more right to say, yeah, than the word but. That's what we're going to get the rest of this passage. We get the interaction with this this Jewish crowd, this, this the people, and they're now going to say, yeah, and I know like we believe the beginning of, of John chapter 9 or that middle section of John chapter 9. We kind of believe that stuff when you said you're, you know, you're with the Father. But, and now they're going to kind of throw out some things. And I'd love to say that it all comes full circle. And in the end, everybody just, you know, embraces and they just love one another and love Jesus. It doesn't go that direction because Jesus does not come off this idea that if you want to be my disciples, you remain faithful to my teaching. So let's jump into it. The yeah buts. So take a look at your passage. I've given you, uh, excuse me, your, your notes. I've given you just a couple passages, but uh, you can see the full passage on your own. The first thing they say, um, we've never been slaves, anyone's slaves. So the first thing they're saying is like, what is all this truth and freedom talk? We've never been slaves to anyone. Now, the first question you and I need to ask is, is that true? It, like, is that accurate? Um, I mean, maybe Jesus is a little ignorant here. Maybe he doesn't remember uh, that, that they've been free, their whole... Well, so let's just look at a passage. If we look at one in the book of Exodus, you might remember this story of when... When the the Israelites multiplied to a great number and then the Egyptian leaders got a little fearful of what strength they might have. And so what did they do? Take a look at it. As a result, the Egyptians put four men of forced work gangs over the Israelites to harass them with hard work. Down to verse 13. So the Israelites, listen, enslaved the Israelites. Excuse me, the Egyptians enslaved the Israelites. They made their lives miserable with hard labor, making mortar and bricks, doing field work, and by forcing them to do all kinds of other cruel work. They seem to be missing that, forgetting that one when they say, we've never been slaves to anyone. Jeremiah chapter 20 begins, and you can read the six chapters after that, begins the Babylonian captivity. It starts with God telling the people, listen, I've had it up to here. I'm going to now... I'm going to turn you over to your enemy because of your disobedience. You, you don't have any interest in following me as your God. So you might as well, I might as well turn you over to your enemies and you can, you can live out what you wanted to live in them. That's kind of how you're living anyway. They go into captivity. And so you can read those chapters, not to mention that these people are forgetting they are currently under Roman occupation. They currently do not have full freedom. And so that's, that in itself, they're, they're not catching this. Well, Jesus comes back. Because they're, they're kind of saying this, you're not, you know, no one's the boss of us, right? Do you ever say that in your life? No one's the boss of me? So maybe your kids say that. I, I don't know. But we know that phrase. Jesus comes back with this. I'm not even talking about Egypt. I'm not even talking about Babylon. I'm not even talking about Roman oppression. He comes back and says, "You're slaves to what? To sin. You're slaves to your sin." Verse thirty-three. He says this: "You're slaves directly to sin." He's like he's saying, "Look, you're you're slave to rejecting God. You're slaves to your own selfishness. You're slave to kind of this knee-jerk idea that you might know better than God's way. You're slaves to maybe your sin behavior, or your sin thinking, or to your addiction." That's what he's saying. Look, you're a slave to that separation from God. But there's freedom in the son who sent me, the son that was sent by the father. There is freedom in your slavery, in where you're at. There is freedom. And where do we find that freedom? He's saying you're his disciple by remaining faithful to his teaching that you would know that truth and how that truth works. And in that truth, there is freedom. That's what Jesus is saying there. He's saying, look, I'm telling you what I've seen because I'm sent from the Father. I've seen this. So how do they respond? Another maybe yeah, but uh, you would say here. They say in verse 39, the beginning of 39, they say, well, our father is Abraham. So what of that, Jesus? And Jesus, and I want to put this in a very... The most theological way, so you can understand how this is working, Jesus responds this way theologically. Nope. (laughs) What he says? He goes, nope. That's not accurate. (laughs) Our father's Abraham. Nope. Nope. That's not accurate. He says, if that was true, you'd do what Abraham did. Verse 39b. If that were true, you would do what Abraham did. Well, what did Abraham do? When he was faced with the truth of God, or think about it this way, at the burning bush... Abraham was, or excuse me, Moses was faced with the, the voice of God, and he heard from God that way. When, the, when these fathers heard this way, this is, what, this is what they did. Abraham, how did he respond? Abraham believed, and it was credited him as righteousness. When God spoke, the word of God spoke to him, he believed. And that's what, that's what Jesus is saying here. So it's not Abraham. Because if it was Abraham, you would believe. You'd believe what I'm saying here. And then he says this. You're doing your father's works. Kind of mysterious what he's saying there. You're doing your father's work. What is he getting at? Well, that's going to come in just a minute. And I think it's going to come with a little bit of thump for the people. We go on verse forty-one. Then they come back and they say, "Listen, listen. The only Father we have is God." They just said, "Our Father's Abraham." The only Father we have is God here, and Jesus says to that, "Nope, that's not accurate either. If that were true, you'd love me because the Father sent me." You know, up till now, the dominant message of John is that Jesus was sent by the Father to share the message. John chapter 523 524 530 537 639 6 or 716 718 728 733 that doesn't count this chapter 8 that we've been working through then chapter 12 where this is dominant chapter 20 where this is dominant Jesus says over and over I come from the Father so if you knew the Father you would know me you wouldn't reject me so that one can't be true either then he hits them with it Take a look at it. Your father is the devil, is what he says. Ooh, those are some fighting words there. Your father is the devil. Our father is Abraham. No, that can't be true. Our father is God. No, that can't be true either. Your father is the devil. you imagine if somebody came into church this morning and said to you and I, as, as people who profane, proclaim Christianity, said, your father is the devil. Those are some powerful words, right? You'd probably dismiss it. You'd get riled up. What is Jesus getting at? What does he mean? You see, when he says devil, and there's other times this shows up, we get uh, kind of shades of, of Jesus speaking to Peter, get behind me, Satan. Do you remember that passage? What do they mean by that? Not that there is a devil in red with horns and a pitchfork and fire behind him. That's not the image. What they understood devil to mean is anyone or anything who opposes the work of God. So if you oppose the work of God, God is trying to work and you're being a barrier to that, then you are acting like a devil. That's how the, the phrase was used here. Demons sometimes, in a, and it's used interchangeably a little bit. So God, Jesus is saying, your father is the devil. You're following an opposition to what God actually wants to do because you're opposing me. God wants to work through me. He wants to bring life through me. And you're opposing that. So you're acting like a devil. Question for you. Do you ever act like a devil? Do you ever act that way? I I know what we say when our kids, you know, like they they get all hyped up on sugar and they're running in circles, you know, banging in to see. And we'll we'll say like, man, they're just acting like a devil. No? But that's not what they mean here. Do you ever act like a devil? I mean, has God ever sp- spoke to you, led you, said, I want you to do this and be this, give up this, um, go this direction? And you've said, yeah, but um, I, I don't have the energy for that. I don't think I'm wired that way. I don't have the time for that. That's a sacrifice for me. If I can just hold off to the end of this worship service, maybe I can get out of here and not hear the Holy Spirit anymore, right? That, that kind of thinking By definition, like, that puts us where we're acting like a devil. We're opposing what God wants to do in and through us. And, you know, what? God wants to use you as powerfully, and I think even more powerfully, than he wants to use me on this stage as your pastor. Like, this sage from the stage type of thing— that that's not what God's called us to be as disciples. This is just us coming together and encouraging and challenging one another as we're in the Lord's presence. When we go out as disciples and we live out God's works in this world, that's the powerful presentation of Christianity. Have you ever been a devil there where you're opposing the work of God when you know when you know God wants you to do something? it leads you in a certain way. Well I don't know if that even rouses you up within you. Uh, it certainly did the people of this time because they come back like even more now they're going in slander mode. This is what they say. You're a Samaritan and a demon. You're the demon not not me us you, you know, that very mature audience or that very mature argument that we have. Uh uh-uh, uh you. That's what they're saying here. Now, the phrase Samaritan I mean they meant that straight as kind of a racial ethnic slur there to him. Their hated enemies were the Samaritans and they thought those were the people that are following the devil. And so, of course, they call him Samaritan. He doesn't even acknowledge that one. He does acknowledge the demon comment. What does he say again, theologically? Nope, it's not me. Why? I, I don't glorify myself. Or he says, look, I honor the father. I honor the Father. If I'm honoring the Father, how can I have a demon in me? How can I oppose the Father if I'm honoring the Father? Listen, don't move past that. Because for you and I, it's the same thing. If we honor the Father, if we honor God, how do we know the Father? We know the Father through Jesus. If we honor Jesus and follow his teaching, then we can't be opposing God's way either. So he's saying, no way I'm honoring the Father. I can't have a demon in me, or I can't be acting as a devil because I honor the Father. And you know what? If you were to honor the Father, if you were to keep my teachings, you know what? They'll never die. You'll never die, is what he says here that my teachings never die, you'll have life in my teaching, you'll have life right here, right now. If you live out my teaching, you'll know that truth, the truth will set you free, you'll have life here, and you will have life eternal. It will continue on even past death. And we think in terms often as a, a very clear heaven and hell, right? So you go to heaven or you go to hell. In this time, They didn't have this clear depiction of hell like we think of it now. Certainly, it develops in the New Testament that it becomes clearer, this separation from God. So they thought more of, I either die and go to be with God or nothing, nothing happens. Obviously, there was a longing to be with God. And up till now, all they knew to be with God was, I better stay right with the Pharisees. I better stay right with the interpreters of the law. And Jesus comes along and says, no, you keep my teachings, my teachings, and you'll never die. Now, they don't fully understand what he's saying. Are you greater than our father Abraham in verse 53? He died, and you're saying we won't die, right? We're not all greater than Abraham. He's the top dog, right? And Jesus says, look, I'm not here to glorify myself God glorifies me. This message I speak is not my own. This is God speaking to you, that you will have life and you'll have life eternal. This is God's message that I share. Now, they're still not sure. They say to him, look, you're not even 50 years old, right? You're not even f- How would you even know Abraham? How would you even know? Because Jesus says Abraham was pleased with this. How would you even know Abraham? Then Jesus hits them with it. They don't understand up till now. And Jesus says this, verse 58, I assure you, before Abraham was, I am. Now you might remember that phrase. This is where we get to the burning bush. I got ahead of myself before. When God is speaking, the word of God is speaking. God's voice is speaking to Moses. And Moses is like, listen, I can't go. I can't do it. Who would I even say is sending me? You go and say to him, I am sent you. And this became a divine name for God, reserved only for God. And here Jesus is saying, I assure you, before Abraham even was, I am. I was there, just like God. And this would have been blasphemous for them to hear. So they get the opportunity now where they could believe on a deeper level, but they don't choose to do that. Instead, what do they do? They pick up rocks, and they're ready to stone him. They go from some form of belief that we learned last week to Jesus calling them to a belief that's active and carried out through his teachings, and they're like, I don't know about that. That's a little far for us. I couldn't carry out that. So they chose uh, t- to end it all, all uh, together, maybe with a little influence from religious leaders. We're not sure. I look at this and I go like, I don't think any of us would be ready to pick up stones and like stone Jesus in this way. But I think there's times where Jesus calls us to a deeper level of carrying out his teachings, carrying out who he is. And we've said, yeah, but, or no, I'm not, I'm not going to do that. We've challenged him in that. Here's the takeaway, and it's really more recap, but listen to it this way. One, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, you follow Jesus's teachings. Plain and simple. You just follow Jesus's teachings. How do I know Jesus' teaching? Maybe you're like, I'm not quite sure what those are. Well, a great place to start is getting in the Bible. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those gospels, get in there and find out. I was listening uh, to um, this little, oh, this little I don't know what you call it, podcast kind of thing. Very self-help person, but mixes in the spirituality. And I was listening. I was curious. Like, where do, these, where do they go with this if they don't put God at the center? And the gentleman said, um, God would be a lot better understood if we just got rid of the Bible. And I thought, well, how would we understand him? Certainly, there is the glory of God we see in nature. And maybe the marvel of God when we hear of miracles and things like that. But I know who God is through his word. And I know who Jesus is through his word. And I know the teachings of what he wants me to do through his word. So that's a place to begin. Maybe this morning you're like, like I don't even know where to begin in there. You could take your uh, communication card that's right in front of you. You, can just, you could just write on the back of it. I want to know Jesus' teachings. I don't know where to start. And drop it in. I'd love to send you. I'll send you more information than you can even handle on where to start and how we can help you getting into God's Word. A reading plan that's a simple way to work through the Gospels as well. Maybe think about transferring music time throughout the week to sermons or podcast times as well. So getting into God's Word, into His teachings. Stay away from the yeah buts. Now listen, yeah but is not the same as checking out what you're hearing. Like you should check out. If you don't have your Bible in front of you this morning, I just preached from John chapter 8, verse 31 through 59. And if you didn't see it with your own eyes, you should go home and read it. You should go verify and look at those things. That's not the same as yeah buts. Yeah buts is when you know truth, you understand, or you believe on a certain level. And then you're like, ah, I don't know if I'm ready to go anymore with that. Or I know he wants to do that, but that might disrupt my life. I know he wants me to serve or help or bless somebody, but that might be a disruption. That's the yeah buts that jump into it. I know he wants me to study God's word, but I mean, you don't understand my schedule. Those are yeah buts that prevent us from knowing him deeper. And then the reminder, you'll know God's truth. You'll know what his teachings are really about. And those teachings will set you free. They'll bring you freedom. Freedom from worry, anxiety, guilt, shame, longing to please, etc., etc. There is freedom in that. Freedom from sin. There's freedom when we know his truth. Well, let me pray for you this morning, and if you want to uh, kind of pray on your own as I'm praying because you know the kind of business you need to do with God, go for it. That'd be fine. Father, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you're, you're willing, even in love and care, to be pretty direct with the crowd. You're willing to tell them some things that they need to hear, and there's times, Lord, I know personally as a follower of you, I need to hear some things from you that are direct, And they're challenging. And so, Lord, thank you for that. Father, my desire, if there be anyone in here who has not said, yes, I want to believe on Jesus' teaching, I want to be his disciple. If there's anyone in here that's kind of rested on the idea that one day long ago, I said, yes, Jesus is the way, but I'm I'm not living that. I'm not carrying out his teachings. Maybe this is the morning that you would just say, Lord, forgive me of that. I surrender myself again to you, to your teaching, to be your disciple. And then would you lead us into victory in that area, Lord? We pray it in your son's name. Amen. Amen. So here would be an encouraging thing you could do is maybe there is a specific teaching or two of Jesus we've worked through or you've worked through in the gospels on your own that you just kind of know is there that you'd say, hey, look, that's a teaching I know I need to carry out as a disciple. Maybe you're doing it wonderfully now or you're, you're trying to you know, side-saddle that one. Um, that would be a great thing to just start writing out on a piece of paper. Writing out, here's a teaching, here's a teaching, here's a teaching to follow uh, in that. Uh, and then just kind of look at it. Now listen, we know there's more to it. There's the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and we've been talking about that. But it's good also just to identify what are those teachings. So that could be your own devotional work this week to work through it. Uh,